Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. This podcast is being recorded on September 9 at 10am. Joining me on episode 50 is Ryan Daniels. You know him on Twitter as Footy Rhino. Welcome to the show, Ryan. G'day Pete, how are you going? Very good, mate, very good. Firstly, you went early with the grand final location in Queensland. That was a full five <laughs> weeks before the Gabba was announced. How are you going with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was good. It's, it's been a good year um, in terms of if you're trying to break stories this year. It's um, it's been a lot of fun because there's been so much happening. Um, I think we're all going to at some point go back to normal seasons, and there's not going to be as much news to for us to all sort of scramble around to try to figure out what's going on. But um, yeah, I, it's always risky when you go with something that early. Um, it was based on um, facts. Um, and, and at that time, I was pretty sure uh, I was the only person who had that information um, within the media. So uh, I was very confident to go with it and uh, it turned out to be right. So, yeah, it's good. So, you know, you, you can get those little wins along the way. It's good. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people who are outside the media get a bit funny with people trying to break news and be first. But... Um, I think you can do it in the right way. And also, you've you got to remember that in terms of, um, from a journalistic point of view, if you, if you don't have, you know, the people you can call and contacts and, and to gather information quickly, you're not really doing your job properly. So as much as people sometimes jump on the whole breaking news thing, I think it is important in a lot of ways because sometimes, you know, things need to get out that um, people would like to know sooner rather than later. I mean, in that case, you know, anyone um, who saw that would have got, you know, a five-week sort of jump on the fact that it was going to be in Queensland, it was going to be at the Gabba. So, I, you know, I think it's important in some ways, but I, I also do understand why people get frustrated sometimes with the whole, um, you know, exclusive and, and first first uh, to the story. And, you know, you've got, to be, you've got to be right first, don't you? For sure. Outstanding work. Teams that we thought were a chance in 2020 are struggling right now this season, Ryan. Yeah, I think the Giants was the one... Um, that we all thought that they would figure it out. I mean, we've been saying this probably for three, four, five years now, and they've got the talent. Um, it, it's, and I'm not even sure. I know Leon Cameron cops a lot of heat, and he's just been given that two-year extension. I'm not even sure it's really the fact that he could, he can't coach. I mean, maybe he can. I mean, they've been up there for quite a long time. It's almost that sort of mm. that Ross Lyon feel where you know, like, is, is he a bad coach? And he keeps getting his team to premiums. I mean. Yeah, he, he has a lot of talent at his disposal, but then again, so did Ross during his peak years at St Kilda and Fremantle. Yep. So it, it might just be that it's not a great fit or that something's a little off. Um, but I, I have a theory too that losing a grand final like that, when you lose it in such an embarrassing way, and it was embarrassing, yep. it's very hard to come back from. We've seen it over the years. We saw it with Port Adelaide when they got hammered by Geelong that year. Um, we've seen it with uh, the Adelaide Crows. So while the margin wasn't massive, they went into that game as heavy favourites. They had the whole yep. state of South Australia riding them, um, and they lost. And then everything sort of fell apart since then. Now, now the Giants might not fall apart completely, but I mean, there's no way anyone could call this season a success for them, even if they do scrape into that eighth spot. Um, but you know, there's just something not right. And I was watching them last night and thinking. Is it, is it each individual? I mean, Taranto's just a lot of footy. Camilio hasn't really been a player he normally is. Whitfield's been pretty good, but maybe less damaging. Um, Cameron has gone 
almost he's just become a good role player now. I can't remember the last time he dominated a game of foot. Yeah. Um, and the, the situation in their rut, which they just have not fixed, uh, they have not been able to find yep. a dynamic ruckman. They've instead recruited Shane Mumford. He retired. They pulled him out of retirement and then picked up uh, Sam Jacobs when he's really... I mean, Sam Jacobs has been a fantastic ruckman, but he was on the last legs of his career. And yep. I, I'm disappointed that they haven't gone harder at recruiting um, a younger, more recognised ruckman um, either through the draft or, you know, with with the possibility that they could... Um, I mean, they had the chance again to do it last year with Luke Jackson and they didn't. So it, it must be something that they're recruiting that they just don't prioritise the ruck, but I think that's a mistake. Yeah, they've had plenty of returns on trades uh, for high-quality draft picks. It's amazing that they didn't reinvest mm. that in a solid ruck. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you, you can flip these things around. And these guys, they're available sometimes. Like, you know, like, you can get these blokes in through a free agency or trade. You've just got to put the effort in. And they don't have to be a world beater. We're not talking about, you know, stealing Brody Grundy or, or Nick Natanui or even Tim English. Yep. But you, you need to get a little bit younger and you need to get a little bit more consistent. You can't keep picking guys up right at the end of their careers hoping for a miracle because it's not going to come. Yep. Um, so hopefully they address that this off-season, that would be somewhere I'd be really focusing on. I'd be seeing who's available from a ruck perspective. I'd be seeing who's frustrated in the second ruck spot. Yep. You know, we saw Peter Laddams um, excel this year for Port Adelaide. Now, Port might not want to let him go, but if you went to them and said, hey, you know, Laddams is fantastic, where's Scotty Lyson at? You know, like, a ruckman like Scotty Lyson at GWS would be fantastic. I'm not saying that Port would trade him, but these are the questions that I'd be asking, you know, if they fall in love with Laddams as a ruckman, then maybe you can get lost. At, or there's other sides like that. Yep. You're back on the Gold Coast. This is the second stint this season. Yeah, it, it feels very different to last time. I mean, the first time we came here, it was round two through to round, I think, seven or eight. Um, and it was intense. Like, it was, you know, we didn't quite know where the season was going next. We sort of learned along the way that WA would have a hub. We learned that you know, there was teams coming and going from different places. And towards the end uh, of the first stint, that was when the, the stuff started to get real heavy in Victoria um, and the borders all started closing and the panic was setting in that the season might not continue. Um, so it was all very chaotic that first time. It was also really new. The Eagles and Dockers, uh, the hub that we were sort of covering while we were here, was the first one. It was, I mean, that feels like an eternity ago now, but... It was new. There were these guys, I mean, the Eagles and Dockers staying in the same hotel. It was madness. But now it's happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, like it was it was very different. This time, uh, it feels more settled. Um, the first day we got here last week was the grand final announcement. So that was obviously pretty intense. And then Sydney Stack went and got a kebab. And that, that changed a couple of days. Yeah. Um, but in general, it's, it's much more relaxed. I mean, we're sort of, um, the day pretty much consists of I'll wake up, you know, check what's going on uh, on socials, see if I've got any emails, um, try to get some, some exercise in early because I'm working on two different time uh, uh, times as well. I'm working on Western time and Eastern time. Yep. So I'm up, up sort of Eastern hours and I'm working till sort of 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night for, Perth, for 7 News back in Perth doing crossings. Yep. So it's, um, it's sort of about managing time and then just... Really, a lot of it now, because everybody is kind of locked in their own little hubs, it's now more than ever about phone calls that you can make and um, information you can get out of 
any contacts you've got or just having conversations with people um, and seeing where everybody's at. So um, it's a very different approach to, to normal life, put it that way. I have to ask, what are your favourite kebab toppings? <laughs> well, I, I tend to only have kebabs when I've had about four beers too many, like most people. So I tend to look for the... Um, We've got a couple of really good kebab shops over at WA. I tend, tend to look for the, the, the mixed meat, like so the, the chicken and the lamb, or, and get the uh, usually the lot with light onion. Um, yeah. And my sauces, I can I drift a little bit depending on my mood, but I'll, I'll tend to go like a satay and mayonnaise, which I know is controversial, but if you haven't tried it, give it a go. Um, and I also don't mind uh, hot chili every now and then if I'm you know if I'm feeling up to it. So yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that was one of the strangest stories I've ever covered. Being out outside the strip club all day, the kebab shop all day, there was media everywhere. It was bizarre. But um, it's 2020. The way that unfolded on social media was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I know Tommy, um, Tommy Brown copped a lot of heat for, um, for the way he's reporting it. But, you know, like, to me, the value in that, I thought it was, you know, it was a bit of fun. I... I I know Tom pretty pretty well. Like we sort of work sort of together every now and then. Um, and he's actually a really great bloke, Tom. Like he pops a lot of flack. He's a different guy. He's you know, and he'd be the first to admit that he's a different thinker. Uh, but it was it was funny. It was a funny funny follow that day. A lot of kebab details coming out. We never quite found out what source that Sydney Stack had. One day we will. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting day, definitely. How different is your role on the Gold Coast compared to what is normal back in Perth? Very. Um, this is like, a, in the new sense, it's kind of like a bureau. So we control basically what, what's going to be around all day, um, whether we even have something to offer back in Southern Perth or for the West, like we will sort of uh, canvas the day. Um, for instance, on Sunday, there wasn't much around for us, so we basically took a day off. Last time we were here for 35 days, we didn't get a single day off because it was so busy. So it's really dictated by the news of the day. Um, you know, you're operating uh, on a circle of trust with your, with your sort of your boss and your, and your producers and that, that you'll, you know, you'll push up stories when they come up and you'll look for stories and you'll find them. Um, whereas back at home, it's sort of more, it's, a, it's more structured. You know, it's coming in, in the morning, there's meetings about what's going to be on that day. Yeah. You might go to a presser or you go to training. Um, you might, you know, you put a story together, you'll manage the rundown, which is where all the stories are lined up, and you write the little bits and pieces about other sports. Here's none of that. It's it's all exactly what this job is. It's covering this hub. It's covering the AFL season. Um, and, and really, it's it's about what you can find and what you can draw story-wise. So I, I actually prefer this. It's, it's, a, um, it's a much more uh, dynamic job, and you can sort of manage your own time. And you know you've got two hours spare. You take it. Yep. Um, and then when you have to go hard, you go hard. The AFL industry will change as a result of COVID-19 with cuts to jobs and list sizes, etc. The impact mm -hmm. at club level is going to be high. It is. I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be super high with players. I think we'll, we'll probably see maybe two or three, in terms of list sizes changes, we might see two, three, four, no more. I wouldn't think it'd be more than five cuts. I know at some point we were hearing could be up to 10. I don't think it's going to be that dramatic, at least not initially, because um, it's very hard. Because you got to remember, people, a lot of lists have players signed for one, two, three, four, uh, even five years. I mean, Brody Grundy signed for seven years. Mm. So there's, you can't just 
walk away from these things. And you don't, if your top five players are out of contract this year, you can't just not sign your top five players. The AFL has to nurture this situation um, and just sort of softly navigate uh, through the next two to three years of changing. And look, until the AFL industry rebuilds, maybe we'll see these sizes cut by two a year until you know further notice, and maybe then it'll slowly build up again. I think the biggest impact initially will be felt with um, coaching staff and uh, development staff and these kinds, and we're already seeing that. Hawthorne, I think, let go four or five people yesterday. Gold Coast have already started making cuts. Um, Fremantle's made a few changes already. It, it, this is going to be commonplace. We're going to see a lot more of it in the next two weeks as teams start to um, get eliminated. Um, and when the season ends for the teams that aren't playing finals, we're going to see more and more of it. Um, I think what it'll be is it'll, it'll, it sort of has morphed into quantity over quality in, in some clubs. Like, you know, you've got 20 people on the AFL, the, the footy staff, or more, maybe 30. Like, and, and, you do wonder sometimes, are they just, you know, serving a, a purpose because, you know, they're, they're a good bloke or they were a good player at the club and they, they're sort of looking after them or they're a mate of a mate. That stuff's not going to happen anymore. Whoever's going to be there is going to really work their tail off. And I'm not saying they've done already, but they will definitely, in this case, uh, there's going to be less resources available. So the quality of your resources will really matter. So if you're a dynamic uh, assistant coach or a development coach that has a fantastic reputation, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but it will be trimmed significantly and we'll, we'll see a lot more pressure come down back onto the senior coach um, who, for the past 10 years, we've sort of seen clubs, particularly the bigger clubs, try to alleviate as much of the pressure off the senior coach as possible yep. um, and spread it around to the assistants. So well, you'll see that sort of go back the other direction because it just has to. Like me, you're a big NBA fan. How have you seen the return to play yeah. at the Disney World bubble and the high level of gameplay? Yeah, it was funny because I, when the season first came back, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed. Like, I will watch pretty much every single game when I can uh, during NBA season. That, and thank God that most of it falls in the non-footy season, so I have a bit more time. Yeah. Um, but, I, like, I'm completely obsessive, um, and I love my NBA fantasy as well. It's... it's just as important to me as my AFL one. Um, and I have won four championships in six years. Just wanted to drop that in there. Um, <laughs> but the, um, the the bubble didn't excite me at first. I, I didn't. I found myself not really wanting to watch any of the regular season or the finish to the regular season. Um, I, I just wasn't interested. I, I sort of kept across results and I'd look at box scores. Um, but to actually watch it, I, I tried a couple of times, didn't really get interested. Then the first round of the playoffs came... I, I was, uh, probably watched a few more highlights, yeah. but then this, this round has I'm finally being dragged back in, and yeah. I think it's because the, the end of that first round was so intense, and you know that Oklahoma Houston series was so great, and yeah. you know like we, we we just had some really good series, and that just sort of brought me back in, and, and now the Heat are doing something special, and yeah. um, it, it's just yeah I, I'm back, I'm all the way back in, which is great. I was a bit worried, um, but I, I do tend to do that at the end of a normal season anyway because it's so long. I tend to drift towards the end of the season and then come back in in the playoffs. So, no, it's, yeah, it's been different, but now I'm, now I'm all the way back in. I guess the NBA and the AFL, as we speak about that, a sport has found a way to get through COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. And I think the alternative was that we wouldn't have anything, and that's terrifying yeah. um, for those of us that live and breathe it. It's, um, you know, it's it's something that brings so much joy to your life. Like it's, it's, 
it's like a hobby. It's a distraction from stress and strain. It's um, although in fantasy senses, it sometimes causes more stress and strain. Um, but it's you know it's, it's kind of part of your life, and, and you lose that. And, and the problem was we didn't know when we'd get it back. I mean, already they're saying now the NBA might not come back till sort of January even later. Um, and then you go to um, the ASL and you think, well, when's that going to start again? And that's probably looking at more of a, an April, sort of May start, I would assume, yep. um, than a regular sort of season for next year. I mean, that's not confirmed, but just common sense would say that it's probably going to start a bit later. Okay, on to some footy. West Coast, the Eagles have their midfield injury concerns. How do you see the final two games shaping yep. up from a selection point of view? Yeah, well, they've got no one left. Um, the, I mean, the funny thing is they had such a really a great midfield that if you still look at some of the names that holds up, Tim Kelly is now the undisputed alpha dog with um, Chewy and Yell out. You've still got Andrew Gaff on the outside. Uh, Dom Sheehan's obviously a, a really good midfielder if he's your fourth or fifth or sixth midfielder. He's, out, he's very good in that role. Um, but the depth has been attacked. You know, yeah. Yo is some chance to return for North Melbourne, but I reckon they'll be careful with him. If they beat St Kilda, I reckon they'll probably leave that one leaving out. Um, Luke Shuey, he's on track for the first week of finals, but he's not going to play in the next two weeks. Hutchins is the same. He'll miss the next two weeks, and he's sort of a, a depth midfielder as it is. And Jack Redden, his surgery went really well yesterday. They have some hope that if they go deep into the finals, he can play, but he's not going to be there for the immediate future. Yeah. Um, so they, they have a lot of younger guys already playing. They're already playing Xavier O'Neill. They're already playing Braden Ainsworth, and now... Uh, they'll play Hamish Brayshaw. So, look, it's an extremely young midfield, and they're already, if you look across their team, they've actually made a bit of a transition this year. They've played Bailey Williams, they've played Harry Edwards, Jackson Nelson's now in that team every week, Josh Rotham is now in that team every week. They're playing playing Nick Reid, who was an amateur footballer 18 months ago. They they have done a lot of uh, bleeding of young guys so it's not like they're just this, you know, completely experienced unit every week. They've, they've been kind of going through this all year, but right now it's bad because it's all in the midfield, um, and that's that's going to cost them. That game against St Kilda tomorrow night is is significant. Obviously, if they win that, they're probably going to sneak into a home final um, in fifth or sixth. And if they lose that, then they're they're probably looking at a sixth or seventh place finish. Um, so it's it's a big game. We are set to see Hamish Brayshaw. What can we expect? Yeah, I know the expectations are high because he's last night with Brayshaw and, and Eagles fans have been waiting for a couple of years. I'd, he's an inside mid, he's tough, he's got a massive head. Um, I don't know about that adds to anything, but he's, he's, <laughs> he's really he's a hard little uh, player um, in, the, in that Brayshaw mould. They all oh, they love being inside. Um, he's no different. He's, he's probably not as talented as his two brothers. I wouldn't expect him to be a top-tier AFL midfielder, but he could absolutely be a, uh, a scrapper, a role player, um, you know, a, a really tough inside mid that you can put into the rotation. So I wouldn't expect him to be a star, and he'll he'll have an impact. Um, and he'll, he's got an opportunity. You know, like, um, when you have situations like the Eagles have now, you're getting games into these kids that you might not have seen. I mean, he'd been at the club for, I think, three years, and was delisted last year and then re-rookied, um, so he's, you know, he's he was sort of on his last legs in terms of gaining an opportunity. This has given him one. So at the very least, it gives him a chance to show that he belongs at the top level. And maybe if it's not at the Eagles, maybe it's somewhere else. But, you know, it's, it's a really good opportunity for Hamish. 
Nick Natanui had his rest in round 16. Do you expect him to be available for the final two games of the season? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was... Um, I mean, they're always going to have to do it. The, the, the fixture crown uh, was always going to be a difficult one. And I think they knew that that Bulldogs game was probably the one they were going to they were going to do it. And it's no surprise to me that they also rested him. I think they went into that game thinking, OK, let's, let's reset here. If we can pinch this game, which they almost did... Yep. Um, then we'll be going great because, you know, suddenly we'll have rested those guys and we'll be, you know, uh, charging toward finals. Now, um, I expect Nick to play the rest of the season. He's, by all accounts, um, he's fine. Like, his body's pulling up really well. Um, he's had a lot of time to work on it while he's had all those injuries. You know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he can finish out the season and finish it out really strongly. Uh, he won't be rushing to as much quality as he has in the past. Um, and Tim Kelly will cop a lot of attention, you would think, from St Kilda. If they're doing their job right, I would expect him to get tagged and it would be very difficult for those other midfielders to have a, a serious impact. So um, it'll be a tough game for Nick Nat. Uh, and Paddy Ryder always presents a challenge for him. He's a really good tap ruckman as well, even though he's at the end of his career. He's, he's almost like, has a lot of similar traits to Nick in, in his tap work and his jumping. OK, on to Fremantle. The Dockers are developing well under Justin Longmuir. He's holding firm on the Nat Fife midfield forward split and Michael Walters' forward usage in order to continue that development. Yeah, I think um, Longmuir has been fantastic this year. I think he's done a really good job. He's now starting to get a bit of praise for it, which he should. Um, the Fife forward thing, I've got two theories on that. One, it does add a little bit of um, a dynamic edge to what they do. Um, we know Fife's a fantastic inside midfielder. We know he wins brownlows in the middle. Um, but he's also a very good mark, a very good contested mark. He's probably the best midfielder in the contested mark in the entire comp mm. and one of the best we've ever seen. Um, that was always sort of his... The James Heard comparisons always came because of his marking. Um, and that was and sort of his body shape in his early in his career. Um, so I, I like seeing Fife go up there. And what it's done is it's given Brayshaw in particular... An opportunity to excel. Like yep. we saw in the previous years, Brayshaw and Chera, they'd get little moments in the middle, but then they'd sort of be pushed back to, you know, the flanks or, um, you know, they spent a lot of time on the bench. Since Fife had that hamstring injury early this season, Brayshaw hit the switch. Uh, and we had a conversation, I think, about Brayshaw, and I said that I was a bit funny about his fantasy potential, and I, I thought he'd be a really good player, and I even thought he'd be the captain of the Dockers at one point, which I still do. Um, but I wasn't sold on his fantasy game. Well, now I am. Like, yeah. Now I think he's going to be um, a really solid contributor <clears throat> from a fantasy sense. He's going to be one of those guys, um, sort of like in that Matthew Boyd almost role, where you're like set and forget. You know, it's not, not as much flair as some of the other choices, but you pick him and he, he trots out somewhere between 105 and 110 in, in a normal season every single week, and, and you don't have to stress about him. So I think that's where Brayshaw's heading. Um, and as I said, I think he could be the future captain. Shera, that game on Monday night, it was not a great game for you to watch, but he made it watchable. Um, and he's he's almost a perfect complement to uh, to Brayshaw. And Fife going forward has given those guys that opportunity um, to excel. So I think it's a good thing. Walters, it's hard with Walters because you kind of want two of him. You want him up forward. He's such an impact player up there. You also want him in the middle because you know he breaks lines uh, and he's such a different player to what uh, most midfielders most midfielders will come up against so he's challenging for the opposition to try to cover um, but it's a good problem to have 
and I think they'll work through it. I, I don't think his career split will change much. I think this is what he is. Like, you know, he's, he's 29. It's not like he's, you know, 24. We know what Michael Walters is. He's a silky player who's very dangerous around goals and can have an impact when he goes in the middle. Um, he hasn't had as good a year as he had last year, but he's had some injuries to deal with this season, and he's had a new coach with a new game plan. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Walters and Fife going forward, I think this is what you'll see more of. Sean Darcy has started to show some signs, some very good signs, actually, but he's still yeah. got but he's still got plenty of time before he should peak as a ruck. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Darcy was we knew he could ruck. I mean, I saw a stat, I think, I don't know, before he was 21 or 22, he had, no ruckman had ever had more hit-outs by that same age. And I know there's a lot of stoppages now, so it lends itself to that. But still, that's bloody impressive. And I think we forget how young he is sometimes. I mean, that, uh, the AFL Players Association 22 and under squad came out. He was, he was the only complete you know, recognised ruck that Oscar Allen was the other sort of option there. But really, that just shows you how few young ruckmen there are actually playing every single week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we can be a little harsh on these big guys. Um, the big thing with Sean is that he's always been, he's always struggled with his body. He's, he was a big boy when he arrived, a real sort of Shane Mumford type. Um, you know, he was, and he was overweight from a football perspective. Like, you know, he wasn't, you know, obese or anything like that, but he was, he was not in great shape. Mm. Um, but he's worked his way into it. He still picks up the old soft tissue stuff. He still uh, is a concern to get injured constantly. His body will build. Um, and we see that a lot with Ruckman. Their first few years, they tend to get a lot of injuries, a lot of impact injuries as well, a lot of contact injuries because they're, they're really combating yep. men who are, you know, six, seven, eight years older than them most weeks. So, yeah, I, I think Sean Darcy's going to be a very good player. I think he'll be pretty out of Ruckman for the next six or seven years at least. So they've, they've definitely got one there. Andrew Brayshaw and Adam Chera have flourished this season, and you can also throw in Caleb Sarong. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I just spoke about Brayshaw and Chera and how far they've come along, and I think they could probably go up another notch. Um, as I said, I think Fife being out of the midfield for that period has really um, forced them to sort of take the reins. Um, and Sarong just looks fantastic. I mean, for me, the Rod Star winner, I, I think Noah Anderson's had a really good year as well, but um, Sarong has been playing on the best midfielders each week. He's, he's getting going from strength to strength. Like yeah. He's been in the Dockers' best players probably five or six times. Um, and Anderson, uh, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's been great as well. Um, and he's had a couple of games where you're like, wow, this kid's going to be special too. It's a really strong draft here. Yeah. Um, uh, it's similar. It reminds me a lot of that Walsh, Rosie, uh, Bailey Smith year where, where there's just a lot of guys who could be real stars. But Sarong, for me, is, um, can't miss. Um, and it was like that in the preseason. I, I went along to an intro club and he just was... He was almost a class above that day. And it was like the first time we'd even seen him against his teammates in a full-blown inter-club. Um, and that's when I thought, geez, this guy, he's, you know, he's going to have an immediate impact. Yep. Um, the Dockers have got... I, I, I don't think you can be excited enough about the Dockers. Um, I think they've got a really good young list. You know, Hayden Young we saw for a brief moment. Um, Liam Henry we've only seen for brief moments. These kids, they're going to be just as good as Sarong. Like, and they've got the Brayshaws and Cheras and Darcy's and you know, they, they're going to be really, really good. Um, and that, you know, kudos to their recruiting department and the guys I've got in there now because they've done a great job. The game style for Justin Longmuir is starting to become fantasy friendly. Hopefully, there will be another one to two yeah. players in 2021. Yeah, I, I mean, he he was sort of built as a defensive coach at Collingwood 
um, in terms of like uh, this, you know, fantastic new style of defence in game plan. Uh, we've seen that their ability to shut teams down has been very clear. Yeah. I mean, no one's scoring against the Dockers. Um, but it doesn't stop them from putting up fantasy numbers. We've seen their, their midfielders putting up really good numbers. We've seen their defenders put up really good numbers. Um, it, they're sort of missing that one, I suppose, halfback who really racks it up. And we've seen different guys do it at different times. Like Ryan's had some moments, but he's, his year's been shifted into that sort of key defender role because of all the injuries. So we, we probably haven't gotten to see the full impact of him being a halfback. So like yeah, Ethan Hughes has teased us at times. It's not him. Taylor the man has had some moments. He had another moment the other night where he was getting a heap of it. Um, Hayden Young is the obvious guy that you want in that role because he's such an elite kick, and that's probably where he'll develop into. So, yeah, I reckon there's growth. I, I reckon next year you can almost look at the Luke Ryan, Hayden Young types as guys who could easily jump 15, 20 points based on their roles and opportunity this year. Yep. You could easily see them having a significant jump um, because. They, they just haven't had the opportunity to be as free as they normally would. You've got probably Alex Pierce and Joel Hamling and Griffin Lowe coming back into that team. So Luke Ryan will be freed right up. Um, yeah. So for me, his value will be far greater than his average. Um, and as I said, Hayden Young's an obvious one. Yep. Yeah, Hayden Young, definitely for me next year. He could be a start at round one. Well, that's it for this podcast, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and other platforms? Yeah, um, so as you mentioned at the start, Footy Rhino on um, Twitter. Uh, it's a holdover name from an old website. Um, uh, do a podcast on the Hardball Gets AFL show, which is part of the West Australian uh, newspaper podcast feed. It's a two-minute warning. Do that normally do that Wednesday. This week it'll be a Thursday. Um, uh, seven News, if you're in Perth, and um, on the West Australian on Saturdays, I write a column as well, which I really enjoy writing. So the more people who can read that, the better. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoy the pod. Listening, I listen every week. Um, and, you know, following you on Twitter is always informative. You just cut the crap down. You deliver the facts, um, collate information really well. Um, it's a really good resource, I think, particularly for fantasy coaches. But I reckon a lot of media people secretly um, use your, your Twitter feed as a... Um, a great access point as to who's in, who's out, and, and what's going on with Debbie Thompson and so forth. Learning from the best, mate. Learning from the best. Okay. That's all for episode, fi- <laughs> That's all for episode 50. Uh, thanks for tuning in.